Dear eternal loving Father, again we give you thanks that you have opened our eyes and we can see putting us the willingness to study your word. As we study John chapter 9, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will be with us to lead us into all truth. I pray that we will understand and I pray that we'll be willing to share with others what we have learned so that this gospel of the kingdom can go into all the world for a witness so that the end can come. We long for the day that we can live eternally with you, never to die, no sickness, no pain, no suffering, sin forever destroyed. But Father, we want to be used by you to learn and understand and to teach others about your love for the human race. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Bless us in our study. I pray that we will understand. Ask these mercies in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. This study is entitled Miracle in Clay, Chapter 9 of the Book of John. And the incident, as we're going to see, in Chapter 8 and Chapter 9 took place at the Feast of Tabernacle. And the incident, both incidents took place on the same day. John chapter 9, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. If you remember, chapter 8 ended with the Jews wanting to stone Jesus, so he started walking out of the temple to leave. And chapter 9 here is starting with, as he's walking out and passing by, he saw this man that was born blind. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, most people, even until today, will think that it's the result of a sin of the parent that caused a child, the baby, to be born with problems. Now, we know that a person can eat something or drink something or come in contact with certain chemicals that can cause defect in, the, in, the, in their unborn child so that when that child is born, it can have a problem, can have some type of physical or mental defect. But it does not necessarily mean that every problem a child has, it was because the parent did something wrong. We are living in a world of sin, and because we are living in a world of sin, the effects of sin is on us. It's not necessarily that the person went out and committed a sin, and then God is punishing that child for a sin that's committed. Now, notice they ask an interesting question. They ask also if it's the child's sin that caused that child to be born blind. Now, how can a person sin before they are born? You see, according to the Bible, no. A child cannot sin in the womb. That's impossible. Why? Because sin comes with knowledge. The person who knows to do right and then refuses to do the right, that's when the sinful act comes in. So if a person don't know what's right or wrong, have no knowledge, then the Bible said God winked at their ignorance. But when a person knows to do right, refuse to do right, that's when that person would sin. Continue reading in John chapter 3. Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, so Jesus is pointing this out, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Then he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, and notice again we come up with this recurring topic in the book of John. 
I am the light of the world. So Jesus claimed to be the light. Jesus claimed to be the bread. Jesus claimed to be the water. Jesus is everything that humans can need in order to live, to be saved in his kingdom. Biblical age of accountability. Now we're going to look at an incident in the Bible and I'm not going to be dogmatic on this and say that is it, but the Bible seemed to indicate a biblical age of, of accountability. You know, some countries have the age of accountability as 17 or 16 or 18 or 21. So it's not unusual for teenagers to, you know, have an age of accountability of our countries to have an age of accountability. And the Bible seemed to have that same age of accountability. The incident is in Numbers chapter 14. Start reading in verse 28. This is God speaking to Moses to speak to Israel while they were in the wilderness. Say unto them, As surely as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years and upward, which have murmured against me, ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, said Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. So when the people refused to go into the promised land, after the twelve spies had returned, and they were saying that God took them in the wilderness so that they and their little ones would die, then God set an age there. Every child at that point, twenty years and younger, would be able to go in. But every person, 20 years and older, would die in the wilderness. So it seemed as if God had set the age of accountability to be 20 years old. So Jesus is pointing out then that a baby in the womb then could not sin because they would have been lower than the age of accountability. The pool of Bethesda, where Jesus sent this man to wash, is very close to the temple. Here is the temple, and just from here, coming down here, here is a pool of Bethesda right here. So it was right close to the temple. Remember again, there were this is a model of the layout of the city in Jerusalem with the temple at the time when Jesus was on earth, when Herod was king. Remember, this was at the Feast of Tabernacle. In the seventh month, and we're going to come to it later, there were three feasts, or three special days. The first day of the seventh month, you had trumpets. The tenth day of the seventh month, you had Day of Atonement. And then the fifteenth day of the seventh month was the start of the Feast of Tabernacle, or the Feast of Ingathering. So thousands and thousands of people came to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And just a little distance from the temple was this pool of Bethesda where Jesus sent the man to go and wash. And we're going to see what date it was that Jesus sent him to do the washing. So thousands of people would see him and would realize what you know taking place there. Continue reading in verse 6. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Now remember, this is nothing uh, unusual. Man in the Garden of Eden, when God created man on the sixth day, he used clay. So he's using the very thing from which man was made to perform this miracle. Continue reading verse 7. 
and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Salome. You know, earlier I said this is the pool of Bethesda. It's not the pool of Bethesda. It's the pool of Salome. The incident with the pool of Bethesda was earlier in the book of John. So Jesus sent him to wash in the pool of Salome, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seen. Now, remember, God used simple things to perform great miracles. And sometimes people don't believe miracles because this seems so simple. Remember, Naaman was sent to wash. And at that time, Elisha had told him to go and wash in the Jordan, which would have been north from right here in Jerusalem. So God used simple things. Isaiah was told to put fig on Hezekiah's boil. We should be very willing to use the simple remedies that God has for us. Simple remedies. Charcoal. You know, if you have infection, or you're having a problem with your bowels, and you make a paste out of activated charcoal, or just charcoal from the elm tree, or from the eucalyptus tree, grind it up, mix it with some grind-up flaxseed powder, and put it on that part of the body that's having the pain, you will see that it will relieve the pain. Simple remedy. If you have the clean, activated charcoal and just put it in some water and drink it, it can help to take inflammation out of the body. Those are just simple remedies that you can use. You can get the eucalyptus leaf and you can put it in some warm water, put your foot in it, and it helps with congestion of the head and also of the stomach. You can do the same with mustard, get some mustard, grind it up, put it in some warm water, put your feet in that warm water for 10-15 minutes. Make sure the water is not too hot that it will burn the skin. It will relieve in congestion in the stomach. So these are just simple remedies that uh, a person can use to relieve you know, problem internal. Continuing John chapter 9, reading verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. It's interesting. They couldn't believe it. When, you know, here's a person that was born blind, maybe the eyes had some physical problem. When he went and washed and was healed, all that, those physical problems in his features were gone. So some of the people looking at him thought that he resembled him, but because these physical defects were now gone, they weren't sure. But he spoke up and said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Salome and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. If you remember in chapter 5 when Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus walked away. He didn't want to create a scene. It's the same thing here when Jesus healed the man here, he left because he did not want to create a scene. But everyone knew, they knew that the only person who could perform miracles like this had to be Jesus. But they wanted the man to speak up so that now they could accuse Jesus. And you'll see what they're going to accuse him, the accusation they're going to bring against him. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, him that before was blind. And it was, notice, the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Now, we're going to look and we're going to see how can we identify now that it was a Sabbath day. 
because Jesus is healing the man here on this Sabbath day, and he, ha he had just finished speaking to the Pharisees concerning the woman that was caught in adultery. The Feast of Tabernacles started on the 15th day of the seventh month. Then he said Jesus came to the feast in the middle of the feast. So he would have come up to Jerusalem on the 18th day of the seventh month because the feast went on for seven days. And on the eighth day after the end of the feast, that day was celebrated as a Sabbath, just as how the first day of the feast was a Sabbath. But remember, it, even though the first day and the eighth day of the feast, they are celebrated as Sabbath, we know that it's not under one of those Sabbaths that Jesus performed the miracle. Because the Bible said he came up in the middle of the feast. And if you remember in chapter 8, he came up in the middle of the feast, which would have been on the 18th day. Then he went to the Mount of Olives in the evening, and he came back in the morning, and it was that next day after he had come up to the feast, that the incident with the woman caught in adultery took place in chapter 8. And we're seeing here that in chapter 9, it's the same time that he had the healing of the man that was born blind. So then it would have been on the 19th day that they are designating it, calling it now the Sabbath. So that Sabbath must have been on the seventh day. And we're going to put this on an Almanac, and then we're going to look at it and see that it was actually the seventh day Sabbath that the healing took place. So here is it. The feast was on the 15th day of the seventh month. This would have been celebrated as a Sabbath, but the healing did not take place here because Jesus came up to the tabernacle, up to the temple, on the middle, in the middle of the feast, which would have been the 18th. Then in the evening, he went to the Mount of Olives. Then he came back on the 19th and continued teaching. The woman was brought to him on the 19th, which would have been then designated the other Sabbath. Then the, at the end of the conversation with the Pharisees and the leaders in the temple on the 19th, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, they took up stone to stone him. And the Bible said Jesus was walking away, leaving the temple. And then chapter 9 here starts with the fact that as he was passing by, he saw this man. And the Bible is telling us that this healing took place on the Sabbath. And it then would have been on the seventh day Sabbath. So every seventh day was a Sabbath. But in the seventh month, you also had four yearly Sabbaths. The first day of the seventh month was the Feast of Trumpet, which would have been one of the yearly Sabbath. The tenth day of the seventh month would have been the Day of Atonement, the cleansing of the temple, one of the yearly Sabbath. Then the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the starting of the Feast of Tabernacle or Feast of Ingathering, that would have been celebrated like a Sabbath. It went for seven days, one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven. So it would have ended on the 21st of the seventh month. But according to Leviticus, the day after the ending of the Feast of Ingathering, Tabernacle, would have been also a Sabbath. So the, notice these are yearly Sabbath that fell on dates. They pointed to the coming Messiah. These are the weekly Sabbath that came on the end of every week, the seventh day of each week. These Sabbaths pointed back to creation. These Sabbaths, yearly Sabbaths, point to the work that the Messiah would do when he came, or the Messiah would do when he died, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, and is working in the sanctuary in heaven. These Sabbaths point to some work. So remember again, you had seven yearly Sabbath. They are completely different from the weekly Sabbath. The weekly Sabbath was introduced before sin. Genesis chapter 2. They were given to Jews 
They were given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was God who rested because it was God who was working. And in other study, you can see this clearly pointed out. The yearly Sabbaths were instituted after sin, pointing to what that seed that was promised to Adam and Eve would do when he came. The anointed one, the Messiah. When he came, he's the one that fulfilled the yearly Sabbath. And he fulfilled the yearly Sabbath at the time when they were you know, held each year. For instance, Passover. Jesus died at Passover. Unleavened bread. Because Jesus died, he took away our sin. Leaven is a type representing sin. First fruit, Jesus raised from the grave on the time of first fruit. Pentecost, representing the fact that it took 50 days for Israel to leave Egypt, for God to speak the Ten Commandments. When Jesus went back to heaven, after his resurrection 50 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. So these are things, our Sabbaths that pointed to work that Jesus would do. And we're going to have a study to show when the trumpets, remember you have the trumpets in Revelation, when the cleansing of the heavenly tabernacle takes place, that study is going to be online also. So here's the trumpets. Here's the start of the Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacle. And this was when Jesus made the clay and healed the man that was born blind, sending him to wash in the pool of Salome. Verse 15. Then again the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. They asked him already. They're asking him again. They don't want to believe that Jesus healed him. They don't want to believe then that he was actually born blind. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I wash and do see. Simple remedy. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man, speaking about Jesus now, is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? There was a division among them. Now look at verse 16. Remember the incident with the woman that had taken place earlier on the same Sabbath, this very Sabbath that the man was healed on. They brought the woman to Jesus with the intent to stone her, but really they wanted to lay a trap for Jesus. They were planning to kill Jesus on the Sabbath. Right? And if you remember, chapter 8 finished with them taking up stone to stone Jesus on the Sabbath. And notice what they said. Therefore, this, the Pharisees saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, is not of God because he keeps the Sabbath. What did Jesus do then that broke the Sabbath? He healed a person that was born blind. And they are saying that he's breaking the Sabbath. Now, on several occasions, they wanted to stone Jesus. They went out and get stoned, or they brought stone to the temple to stone Jesus, and they did not look at it that they were breaking the Sabbath. You see how we can blind, our eyes can be blinded by the devil? You have people right as we are living here today who say that individuals are not worshipping the true God. And they will tie bombs around themselves and blow up these people to kill them and they say that they are doing God's will. We cannot go on crusade and kill and claim to be doing God's will. We cannot kill people and claim to be doing God's will. We cannot lay traps for people and then claim that we're doing God's will. That's out. God never sent us. Jesus never sent Peter and the disciples to kill the sheep, the new believers. He sent them to feed the sheep. Jesus did not send 
the disciples to go into all the world and kill the, the unbelievers. He sent them to go into all the world and teach what he taught them. So that's what our job is today. We need to go and teach that God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So notice this idea of going and killing people because they are not believing in God is nothing new. In the days of the Bible, they killed the prophets. In the days of the Bible, when Jesus was on earth, when the disciples were on earth, they were killing the believers. The church was using the state to kill the believers. The same thing is happening today. Religious people combining with the government of the country, killing people. So we, sh we shouldn't be surprised of the killing for those who don't believe the way people want them to believe. Many of those who are being killed are believers in God. Remember what Jesus said? The time will come when those who kill you will think that they're doing God a favor, thinking that they're doing God a favor. Reason? They're not doing God a favor. We are sent to teach. We're not sent to kill. Continue reading verse 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign shows us? This is John chapter 2, verse 18. Over and over and over. The Jews, the Judeans, would come to Jesus and ask for signs to show that he was who he was claiming to be, the Messiah. They asked in John chapter 2, verse 18. They asked again in John chapter 6, verse 30. They said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see it and believe? What dost thou work? And notice what Jesus is saying. In, at the beginning of John chapter 9, I must work the work of him that sent me. So he's actually doing miracles to show to the Judeans, these Jews, because the word Jews there is just the word meaning Judeans. They were descendants mainly of the son of Jacob, the son of Israel, who was called Judah. So the descendants of Judah are the Judeans. So they, were, they kept on asking for sign. And Jesus said, I'm working. I'm doing the very work that my father had sent me to do. It's, it's the witness that I'm the, right, the true one. And here, he healed a man that was born blind. And yet, they refused to believe. But yet, they keep asking for sign. It's incredible the way the devil can blind our eyes. And remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4? He said he came to restore the sight of those who are blind. He came to restore the physical sight. He came to restore the spiritual sight. But none is as blind as we're going to see as a person who refused to see. They say unto him, continue reading John chapter 9, verse 17. This is the third time they're asking the man this question. They say unto the blind man again, the third time, What says thou of him that he had opened thine eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. So the man said, he's a prophet. Now, you know, Jesus was more than a prophet. Remember we said, the Bible said in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. You can read that in Colossians chapter 1 also. You can read it in Hebrews chapter 1. In the first chapter of John, Colossians, and Hebrews, you will see that the writer of those books are pointing out that the Messiah was the creator. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John said, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this man who did not have 
the full knowledge we're going to realize is going to be pointed out to him at the end of this chapter. But he did not have a, a good understanding of who Jesus the Messiah was. He said he was just a prophet. Remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus had said Jesus was just a good teacher. But Jesus pointed out to him that he was more than a teacher. Jesus is going to point out to this blind man that he is more than a prophet. Verse 18, continue reading in John chapter 9. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. See that? <laughs> they said, nope, you were never blind. They would refuse to believe that he was healed because they want to believe that Jesus was a sinner. Because if Jesus opened his eyes, then Jesus would have to be more than just a prophet. Well, they're going to say then, you were never born blind. And receive his sight until, so now they're going to send for the parents to confirm that he was born blind. Until they call the parents of him that I'll receive his sight. Now again, someone will ask, how did they find the parents so fast? Remember, these people go up again to the feast of in gathering. That was one of the feasts that the people were supposed to attend. When God specified to Moses three times in a year that all the males should go up to the temple. So, more than likely then, the parents would have come with this man. Verse 19. And they asked them, the parents, saying, Is this your son? Question number one. Who ye say was born blind? And now question number two. How then doth he now see? Remember, they had asked the man the question three times already. The parents weren't there. And they're asking the parents this question. No one is as blind as those who refuse to see. There are people who can understand the Bible. They see the word in the Bible. But because they refuse to accept it, they're blind. You can read it in Romans chapter 1. Some are willfully ignorant of God's power. That means they can see clearly that there's a God, and then they decide not to believe that there is a God. They're willfully ignorant. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. And then by implication, we know that he was born blind. See? We know that this is our son. They know, they, they know their son. We know that he was born blind. And they're telling the truth now. Verse 21. But by what means he now see, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. Notice now they're going to put it back on their son. He is of age. He is old enough. He is more than 20. 20 years is the age of accountability, as we had pointed out earlier. And they're saying, he is of age. Ask him, he shall speak for himself. Why did they say this? These words speak his parents because they feared the Jews, the Judeans. For the Jews, again, the Judeans, had agreed already that if any man did confess that Jesus was the Christ, meaning the anointed one, Christ is not his last name. It's not Jesus Christ, Jesus the first name, and Christ the last name. The word Christ means his mission. He is the anointed one. If anyone... This was the law in Israel that was passed. If any man confess that he is Christ, the anointed one, he should be put out of the synagogue. So just the idea that you believe in Jesus, you're excommunicated. So being excommunicated from church is nothing new. The Judeans in Israel were already doing it. There are churches today that excommunicate people because now they believe in God. If you live in certain country and you're converted and you believe in Jesus the Messiah, 
You can be put to death. That's what was taking place here in Israel. That's nothing new. And that's why Jesus said, In this world you will have great tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We should not be afraid of those who will hurt us because we believe in Jesus. Now, this is the fourth time. John chapter 9, verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. How did they know that Jesus was a sinner? How did they know that Jesus was a sinner? They said Jesus was a sinner because of his parents. You see, Mary became pregnant before she was actually completed the marriage with Joseph. So they always said to Jesus that uh, your father, your mother must have sinned because Joseph is not really your father. Remember in John chapter 8 verse 46, that very day Jesus had asked them, which of you convicted me of sin? Nobody spoke up. But now they're going to say, he's a sinner. Verse 25, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. And again, he's telling the truth. One thing I know, this is what I know. Whereas I was born blind, now I see. All we have to do is witness for what God has done for us. That's all we have to do. The fifth time they refused to believe. Verse 26, Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How open he thine eyes? And again, notice what we said. No one is as blind as those who refuse to see. Five times they're asking him how he refused, how he uh, received sight. The reason? Because they don't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the anointed one. They were looking forward for a Messiah who would, have, who would have come and delivered them from the Romans, destroy the Romans, and set them up as the greatest nation on earth. They did not realize that the Messiah came to destroy the works of the devil and restore all of God's children back to their Eden home. They wanted to be delivered from physical oppression, not realizing that the greatest burden, the greatest oppression that we are, that human beings are under, is the oppression and the leadership of the devil. That's what Jesus came to destroy. He came to destroy the works of the devil so that human beings can be restored to their Eden home. His answer was, I have said it before, but your ears were shut. This is a different version. This is not the King James Version. Why would you have me say it again? Is it your desire to become his disciples? I mean, this is a good question. Five times you're asking me. Five times you're asking, how was my eyes open? And every time I'm saying to you the same thing. You see, they were trying to confuse the man. They were actually trying to make it seem as if he was not even born blind. But each time, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he would answer correctly. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Now remember that earlier Jesus had said, if you believe Moses, you would have believed me because Moses wrote of me. So you can see they didn't believe Moses' writing. And you can look at the study we had on the sanctuary where we pointed out that the first five books of Moses pointed to the fact that the Messiah would come. The first five books of Moses 
cover the sanctuary system and in the study and understanding of the sanctuary, we can see the work of the Messiah. Remember we said the bread in the sanctuary represented the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. Remember we said the light from the candlestick that was in the sanctuary represented the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. Remember we said that the animals who were slain put to death for the sins of the people. The people put their hands on the head of the animal, confessed the sin, represented the fact that the Messiah would come, the Lamb of God. So Jesus was the, was the Lamb. So everything, the board in the sanctuary, the door in the sanctuary, all of those things pointed to Jesus. And notice what they're saying. That they are Moses' disciples. It's interesting. When Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, the people wanted to kill him many times. The people wanted to turn back and go to Egypt instead of following Moses. The people refused to uh, follow Moses and wanted to set up other leaders. And now, Moses was dead. You know, the Bible told us that Moses you know, was raised from the dead. We are not sure exactly when that resurrection of Moses took place, but they're willing to be the disciple of a dead person. You know, Moses could have been resurrected at that time, but just say they did not know that Moses was resurrected. They wanted to be the disciple of a dead person instead of the person to whom or of whom Moses wrote, the Messiah, who was right there with them. You know, yeah, again, if you look in this world, there are many people today who worship dead people instead of a living God. We need to worship the living God instead of worshiping dead human beings. God is not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living because with Him, He's going to resurrect the dead. John chapter 9, continuing verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why? Herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened my eyes. You don't know where he's from? Haven't you read in the Bible? Your own Bible, you have the 39 books in the Bible, because they had the Old Testament writing, that, and they had the five books of Moses called the law, that pointed to the coming Messiah. How is it that you don't know from whence he is? Now we know that God here not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man was not of God, he could do nothing. You know, that, that's really an accusation against them because this man was coming to the temple all the time and none of them had healed him. And here comes Jesus, the Messiah, and healed him. And he's saying, the only way you can heal a person is that you have to be connected with God. So it's an accusation against them that they are not connected with God. They claim to be Moses' disciples but they are not connected with God. Now we need to understand something that the man has pointed out here. In verse 4, he said, Now we know that God here is not sinners. You know, remember, we, we, are, we were dead in sin because of Adam and Eve's transgression. We are born with the tendencies to do evil. God will hear a sinner's prayer when the sinner pray to be delivered from sin, when the sinner prayed and asked God to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in their heart. God will hear that prayer, the sinner's prayer. But what the man is saying here, he's speaking about the working of miracles. He's saying that God works through those who are willing to be his followers. So when a person accepts God, God will give them the Holy Spirit that they can work miracles. 
Now, there are people today who claim to work miracles through being led by the devil. There's a distinction. The Bible gives another uh, way that we can tell who are really following God. If they speak not according to these things, to the law and to the testimony, if they, do, if they don't speak according to the things in the Bible, if they are not producing fruit according to what's in the Bible, then we can know they are under a different power. And that's what this man is saying. He did not break the Sabbath by healing. You then will be breaking the Sabbath by plotting murder. And that's what he's saying here. This man, this man called Jesus, could do nothing if God was not with him. They answered and said unto him, verse 34, Thou was altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. They cast him out because he pointed out to the fact that Jesus could not be doing what he's doing unless God was with him. Now, remember, the question was asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, nobody had sinned. They are saying here now that the man is a sinner because he was born in blind. You see? So who's right? Was it Jesus who's right? Or these people who are right? I would rather to say that Jesus is right. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him. Because he did not know that Jesus was actually claiming to be the Messiah. He did not realize that Jesus was claiming to be that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did not realize this. So he asked, who is he that I can see him and believe him? And notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, verse 37, Thou hast both seen him and it is he that talketh with thee. Jesus is making a public declaration here that he is the Messiah. A public declaration. This was not done in private. How do we know that this was not done in private? Notice what Jesus is going to say now in verse 38. And he said, well, the man is speaking here, continues speaking in verse 38, but then Jesus is going to speak in verse 39. He said, Lord, I believe. And what did he do? He worshipped him. Now remember, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, Jesus said, you must only worship God. And notice what the man is doing. The man is worshiping Jesus. This is God in the flesh. And that's what his name meant. Emmanuel, God in the flesh. Jesus accepted worship. In the book of Revelation, we see angels did not accept worship. In the book of Acts, we see human beings Regular human beings did not accept worship. But Jesus was just more than a regular human being. Jesus was God who came in the flesh. According to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and then John chapter 1, verse 14. So Jesus accepted his worship. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Now, he's saying this publicly with all those people who came up to the Feast of Tabernacle around him. And notice what happened when Jesus publicly said this. And some of the Pharisees, which... Verse 40. And some of the Pharisees which were with him, heard these words. So Jesus publicly claimed at this feast again. It's only six months before he, he was going to die. He publicly said it. They heard it. What was their response? They said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now ye say, we see, therefore, your sin remaineth. What does this mean? Jesus is saying that the scribes and Pharisees claim to understand the Bible. Because they claim 
to understand the Bible based on their claim, but then they refuse to accept him as the Messiah because the Bible testifies concerning the Messiah. And you, you can read that also in Luke chapter 24 when the two disciples were walking to the road on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appeared to them. The Bible said Jesus started expounding to them in the scriptures from Moses and all the prophets and the Psalms things concerning him. So all the scriptures pointed to the coming Messiah. All those Old Testament symbols, all those Old Testament stories had application that pointed to Jesus. These scribes, these Pharisees claim to understand because they claim to understand but yet rejected Jesus. Then Jesus said, your sin will remain with you. I cannot take away your sin. He came to this world, as pointed out in the Bible, to take away all sin. All the sins of the entire world, not just the Judeans, the Jews, not just Israel. He came to die for the sins of the whole world because they refused to believe in him then they're going to die in their sins. I pray that as you study, that you will believe and understand that Jesus was more than just a regular human being. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was the Messiah of whom Moses spoke. If you believe on him, you will have eternal life. I pray that you will believe on Jesus. Father, I pray that as we come to the end of this study, I pray that you will open our eyes. And when you open our eyes, we are going to believe. We are going to believe that God so loved the world that he sent the Messiah. The Messiah came. He came into this world. He died for our sins. He died for our sins that we can live. Open more eyes. We are willing to believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.